Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Looks like we're good. So welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, and it's powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest. He is the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, it was a little bit frustrating today as we were spinning out all the different news. What a news day it was that we couldn't reach our Facebook community and audience, but a lot to talk about tonight. I want to start, though, with Vic Fangio, I can pull it up so everyone can see in case you missed it, absolutely slamming his former boss, John Harbaugh. What was your reaction to that while I pull it up? Stupid. Completely and utterly stupid to focus on a meaningless play, Chad, when his anger should be directed someplace else, and that would be inwardly. Take the finger that you're pointing at John Harbaugh and the Ravens and do this with it and turn it around on yourself, on Pat Shermer, on Tom McMahon, and the players that failed the Broncos yesterday. It was a collective failure. And for Vic Fangio to get hung up on the fact the Ravens wanted to run for five more yards at the end of the game, if you don't like them, stop them. 
that you're going to slam your headset down, you're going to come out in the press conference talking about, uh, we expected this from Baltimore, and then what does John Harbaugh say in response to that? I, this is my favorite thing. He wasn't aware of a 13-point play when the Broncos were trying to score and they were throwing at the goal line in the final seconds. That's a very fair point, and he's correct in saying that. So this is classic case of deflection on Vic Fangio's part. It's a lack of accountability on Vic Fangio's part, but it's it's par for the course. That's what he's done in his tenure as the Broncos coach. He's taken no responsibility. He's always pointing the finger elsewhere, and that's why the Broncos are still looking like the Broncos of old. They, they look like they were turning a corner, and then yesterday they crashed right back down to earth, primarily because the coaching let them down. And what does he do the next day? He doubles down on that, and then you have a player like Kareem Jackson coming out, and what does he say? He was asked about uh, the, the Ravens running the ball, and this is a guy who plays defense on the field, Kareem Jackson. He goes, I don't really give an S. So, you know, that says to me, maybe there's a disconnect here between player and coach if your head coach is hung up on the fact in a meaningless uh, circumstance, the Ravens ran for five more yards when the player on the field in Kareem Jackson saying, listen, I really don't care. We have to be better. What Kareem Jackson said is what Vic Fangio should have said. And it's really sad that a player has more accountability and a player that's not really loyal to Denver. He was a mercenary who came over from Houston. This is not a born and bred Bronco. But when he has more accountability and he's saying the right thing on the podium, that's a problem when your head coach isn't doing the same. I, th- I found it laughable. Here's what he said. <clears throat> Pardon me, and then I'll, I'll, I'll give you my thoughts on this. This is Fangio. And it's kind of ironic, Zach, because he, he caused such a stir, <clears throat> pardon me, today, and he didn't even bring it up last night. Now, in fairness, he wasn't asked about it after the game in his postgame presser. He was asked about it today, so he chose to drop what I'm about to read to you. Here's what he said, quote, yeah, I thought the final play. Now, real quick, what was the final play? for? There's, there's maybe some people in our audience scratching their heads, Zach. After Drew Locke threw that interception in the end zone, Ravens got the ball back with three seconds to go. Instead of traditionally kneeling on the ball, game over, they ran a quarterback sweep left, whatever you want to call it, to pick up. They were going for five yards. They got it. Why? Because they had 42 consecutive games of 100 yards rushing as a team, and the all-time record, the streak, is 43, set by the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the 70s. And so they had a record on the line. They decided to go for it. They got it. And so here's what Fangio said, quote, yeah, I thought it was kind of BS, but I expected it from them. 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that, but it was to be expected and we expected it. And then when asked why uh, did you expect it, quote, because I just know how they operate. And this is where I think he went beyond the pale. All right. That's just their mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. Close quote. Listen up, Broncos country. TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner 
for the Huddle Up Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. So Zach, as much as I uh, share in your analysis that uh, Vic Fangio, I'll come back to this. We'll see what John Harbaugh had to say uh, that Vic Fangio jumped the shark here, that he, he was quite a bit out of line, especially considering his history with Harbaugh because John Harbaugh, when he got the head coaching job, which he was a dark horse candidate, right? He's replacing a, their only Super Bowl winning head coach, Brian Billick. And he was a special teams guy. And they hired this John Harbaugh cat to be the head coach. Meanwhile, Fangio had been a defensive quality control assistant under Belichick at the time. This was long after he had been a defensive coordinator at multiple other stops. So for two years, he held down the fort under Billick. And then when Billick went, you know, bye-bye and Harbaugh came in, Harbaugh did not have to keep him, but he did. And he also promoted him, made him a linebackers coach uh, for 2008. Then, Zach, what happens? Well, 2009, little time passes. Fangio ends up have also having a little stop off in uh, Division One football at Stanford, only to then become the defensive coordinator under Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. And Zach, I don't know about you, but I got to assume that if you're my brother and I'm looking at hiring a guy that once worked for you for, as a pivotal role on my coaching staff, I'm going to call you before I make that decision. And if I don't get a, a rather ringing endorsement from my own brother on this cat. I'm probably not making that higher. So I can only infer that John Harbaugh helped Fangio get that job. And without getting that job with the Niners, he doesn't get the job with the Bears and he doesn't get this job. So that's a little bit of a tangent on some bad karma, I think, that Vic Fangio just created for himself. But here's where I say John Harbaugh's wrong. All right. The Broncos were trying to win the game. Now, as improbable as it might have been, I understand, Zach, they had, they used all three of their timeouts from the 36 second mark on. All right. And it was a 16 point margin. I get that. All right. But ask Tim Tebow and the 2011 Broncos about the improbability of how games can be won and lost in the final two minutes of an NFL game. So I don't think you can quite compare those things. But the way that Fangio acted as if it was throwing all caution to the wind to run one sweep left as time expired. It's one of those things Zach. it's kind of like when you hear the, the punishment doesn't doesn't meet the crime or whatever doesn't fit the crime. In this case, Fangio's reaction was out of proportion from whatever modest transgression Harbaugh might have made. Well, I mean, Vic Fangio is delusional with a Broncos offense that scored one touchdown the entire game. They were going to score 16 points in a matter of seconds, Chad. I, I mean, I understand that you play till the final whistle, you play for pride, but when you have a collective meltdown, a collective failure of that magnitude, when it's an early season playoff game according to Von Miller and you lay an absolute egg and on top of that you condone 
the bad performances of your coaching staff, you're reluctant to get rid of Tom McMahon, and despite all that, you turn the finger on, on one meaningless run play? I, I just, it's so the classic case of deflecting to me, and I hate the lack of accountability, the lack of responsibility on uh, Vic Fangio's part. All this does now is create a distraction in the locker room for the Broncos coaches, for the Broncos players. Vic Fangio made himself and the Broncos a national story when they should not have been. He could have said no comment. He could have said it is what it is. He should have said exactly what Kareem Jackson said. I don't give an S about it. We have to be better. We have to play better. And if you don't like it, stop them. The Ravens, they have the same right to run a play in that scenario as the Broncos did near the goal line. Until the clock hits zeros, you can do whatever you want. Just because you should kneel down doesn't mean you have to kneel down. And for Fangio to come out after that game, it wasn't like they lost by three points or one possession check. They got blown out pretty handily. That was a trouncing on the part of the Ravens. And for you to come out of that and focus on the fact they ran a a five-yard play, I mean, I think John Harbaugh said it best. What's meaningless to them is not meaningless to us. And they have their own sets of morals. They have their own goals. They have their own values. And those maybe don't match the Broncos. But you know what? That team came out on top. That team was the much better team yesterday. And again, instead of Fangio doing this, he should have turned it around and did that because that is where the problem starts with himself, his coaches, and a lot of the players that took the field yesterday. Not the Ravens running a five-yard play as time expired. Let's grab this super chat real quick from Brian. Appreciate you jumping in early, my friend. He says, Fangio should body slam himself. I was kind of high on him, but the defensive play calling for this entire game that wasn't working and stayed the same. Yeah, it's safe to say I'm over him. Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. Like on one hand, you know, as a fan of the Denver Broncos, I think it's it's instinct for people to close ranks around their guy, whether it's a head coach, a player that might have said something dumb and 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 defend him. All right. On one hand, I understand why Fen, uh, Fangio um, might have been irked in the moment over that. Like, come on, man. You beat us by two scores. Let's go. Why are you doing this? I understand that. But he screwed up, guys. Like, this was a bad PR. Just he stepped in it big time. Made himself look foolish. Made his team look foolish and petty. And as you said, Zach, it really makes it come off like he's trying to pass the buck in a way, you know, where he's trying to hide the hide the pee in one of those, you know, games. Follow the pee. You're moving the cups around. It's not my fault. Let's talk about our righteous indignation at the Baltimore Ravens. I just don't understand. Uh, I don't understand why that you come out of that game. I know emotions are running high. I mean, we have the gut reaction podcast right after the game for that reason, to be emotional and to really tell uh, what we're feeling inside. Not maybe logical chat at the moment, not really level-headed, but what our gut reaction, what our emotions are telling us. Uh, It was a hard, I'm not going to say a hard-fought loss. It was a tough pill to swallow for the Broncos at 3-0 to get trounced at home by the Ravens but when you again, when you focus on that, you don't focus on the fact that your offensive coordinator ran five running plays in the second half with your backup erratic quarterback. You don't focus on the fact your special teams coordinator let another big punt return uh, 
change field position and change the complexity of the game. You don't look to the fact that your defense broke and allowed Hollywood Brown, who couldn't catch a beach ball in week three, uh, make a miraculous touchdown and split the highest paid safety or whatever he is now, Justin Simmons in the NFL. Those are the things that matter. Those are the reasons why the Broncos lost the game. Those are the fatal flaws of the Broncos, not John Harbaugh wanting to extend a streak on his own volition and doing so with a five-yard run as time expired. It made no difference to the end result, and all it did, like you said, it comes off petty, and he's passing the buck down the line. But that's who Vic Fangio Vic Fangio is, Chad. Just as Pat Shermer has showed us who he is for three years. And again, yesterday, by the way, the, the, the time mismanagement toward the end of the first half, these were all the fatal flaws of the Broncos. And Vic Fangio has not changed in three years. I've been nailing that point all along, the lack of accountability, and I've never seen. You want to talk about 37 years in pro ball? Well, 30 years of watching pro ball? I have never seen a coach come out and be that petty and focus on something so insignificant when there are many issues he should first address. It's a horrible look for the Broncos. Here's what Harbaugh said. We didn't expect to get the ball back, you know, but I'd already decided, we decided that if we got the ball back, we were going to try to get the yards. And we got it back with three seconds left. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone with 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So, you know, that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. So, like I said, what's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them, and we're not going to concern ourselves with that. Zach, here's He's the great. thing. It's like people want to try and compare this to when Adam Gase, after, you know, trouncing the Broncos in a game, went for the onside kick. Like, I can understand if Elway held the press conference after that and slammed Adam Gase in that particular scenario because it was just so transparently um, petty and payback for how things ended with him and the Broncos and all that. Elway didn't do that because he's more of a class act, but this was not that. Like, look, Harbaugh wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Harbaugh wasn't trying to even, in my opinion, really insult Vic. They had a record they wanted to keep going stop them right if if you don't want exactly. if you don't want this uh exactly. to be a talking point on monday stop them stop them all right guys we'll put a pin in this for a second because there's been yeah. more that has has been said um lots to get to including now if you guys saw we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do the drawing for the justin simmons jersey for the month of september for facebook uh where we got youtube ready to go the drawing we got facebook ready to go but we weren't sure we were going to be able to do it because we didn't know if we were going to actually be able to connect to our audience, the very Facebook community that is in the running for that drawing. So we we're like, well, we better put out a tweet just in case. So ignore that tweet. We're connected to Facebook. And so without further ado, Zach, let us see in the in this old school. This is the first MHH hat that was ever made, by the way, that I hold in my hand. Maybe one day I'll raffle it off with a signature on it or something. Here we go. I'm not looking. Let's see who the winner is. Drum roll. Here we go. Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson won the jersey on Facebook. Dude, this is crazy, Zach. Let me tell you why this is crazy. This is football karma. All right, this is the football wheel spinning. A lot of our our community mavens right now that are in the chat night after night are shaking their head. They're going, what now? Who's Mark Johnson? A lot of them don't know who we're even talking about. Mark Johnson has been a longtime MHH 
follower. I consider him a friend of mine. We both like punk rock. He reached out to me, Zach, right before the end of the month. I think it was our last stream. I think it was Thursday night. And he said, hey, uh, what do I got to do to be in the running for the Justin Simmons jersey? And I said, you got to get a minimum of 500 stars in. Well, he did that with Gusto. Zach, he ended up putting like, I don't know, 6,000 some odd stars in or whatever. So he got quite a few tickets into the hat. But it just surprises me that it was Mark Johnson, completely random. But you know what? I'm doing a secondary one, okay? I'm going to do another one. Michael, Ron, Keo. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. What's it going to be? Zach, should we send Michael a jersey? Should we Should we send out three jerseys this, this month? Two on Facebook, one on, yeah. on YouTube. I mean, I think so. He's, he's I been think great. we should. I think he, we should do it. He really has been so supportive, Michael has. So, yeah, I'm in favor of that. Let's do it. That's just a small thank you, a small, you know, sign of our gratitude to Michael, to Mark, to all of you. Uh, we appreciate you. So uh, I guess what I'm going to need is, Mark, if you're listening, I'm going to need your jersey size. And uh, Michael, I'm going to need your jersey size and then your shipping address, man. And we'll get that out to you. Now. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. With Facebook uh, in the bag, let's also do YouTube. Now, it was a little bit different the way we decided to do it on YouTube. Top five finishers only. And it's one ticket in the hat. That's it. All right. Top five finishers on Super Chat in the month of September. I'm shaking it up. Let's see who the rando drawing is. And it is. The queen. Christy is the winner. Congrats, Christy. Justin Simmons jersey coming your way. And uh, Mark Johnson, Michael Ronquillo. Thanks to everybody. Uh, let not your hearts be troubled if you were in the running and you didn't win something. We're going to send out a little sp- something special to uh, the top finishers on Facebook and YouTube um, from Zach and myself. So you'll be getting a little something. But thank you, guys. Appreciate you. We have a new one going for the month of September. It's Pat Sertan this month. So if you want your ticket in the hat on Pat Sertan on Facebook, you know the drill. Same as on Facebook or uh, on YouTube. Uh, real quick, Zach, we've kind of been getting away from this, but I want to remind everybody. Uh, leave your football priests a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win some uh, win some swag, so as not to completely um, I don't know, derail the, the the juice from the Justin Simmons drawings. We, we will draw one for September because we had a lot of great listeners go and give us the reviews on Apple in September. We'll do the drawing for that on Wednesday. Okay, um, 
All right, Zach, let me uh, let me get back to one other thing here that uh, Harbaugh said, okay? Now, he's he's being told of what Fangio said today in real time. So he hadn't – he didn't step up to the podium and have any, like, prepared remarks knowing that this was going to come up. Like, he was informed of it on the, on the stand. Fangio, meanwhile, even though he couldn't guarantee and be sure he was going to be asked, odds are he probably had kind of a direction of which way he was going to go if he was asked, here is what, uh, here's what, uh, Harbaugh said. Oh, I got it in the wrong one. Hold on. Let me, let me pull it up here. He, he talked about Zach, the insult, which it was, I mean, I don't know how you could interpret it any other way than Vic Fangio insulting John Harbaugh for, by saying it's one thing to like, uh, criticize their decision not to kneel on it, but to say, it's a sign of your overall philosophy and disregard for player safety. I mean, that's our true shot across the bow. He said, quote, this is Harbaugh. That's one of those things that's meaningful. Um, oh, wait, no, that's not it. Sorry. Uh, he said, where'd it go? Dang it. I'm sorry, guys. Let me find it. I don't know where I've, I've lost it. I'm sorry. But he went on to say, he went, I'll find it in a minute. All right, when I'm not on the spot. But Zach... He basically acknowledged the fact that it was an insult, that he's not going to waste one second. I'm paraphrasing now. What one second thought, you know, trying to, you know, respond to it and then went on to drop that whole 16 point. I'm not aware of a 16 point touchdown. Do you think John Harbaugh handled what he yeah. heard Vic Fangio said correctly? I, I think he did. I think he handled it a lot better than I would have. Uh, first of all, Chad, he could have been equally as petty. Um, I also like what he said. Uh, in regards to the whole player safety thing, he's submitting a few hits the Broncos had on Lamar Jackson to the league office. He thought they were a little egregious. So maybe that was his way of getting back uh, at the Broncos and uh, Vic Fangio. But when you accuse an organization of not caring about player safety, that is one of the biggest insults you can lob at an opposing coach. And what Harbaugh said is, we had a good chat before the game. He thought they were on good terms. And the only thing that changed was that Harbaugh's Ravens beat the crap out of Vic Fangio's Broncos. It was Vic Fangio feeling sheepish and feeling bad and feeling embarrassed that his team no-showed in an early season playoff game. And why do you think he was so emotional and so reactionary about that five-yard run that made no difference to the game and injured no players? Because Vic Fangio wanted to be the coach that ended that streak. So as much as Fangio projects this outward uh, humility and this team-first nature, he really is, in some aspects, a selfish guy. And I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. The, the fact that he would get that angry about it, I mean, uh, the Lady Doth prote protest too much, Chad, that's exactly what I thought of when Vic Fangio made those remarks. It seems like his ego was so badly bruised, he was looking for any point to make about the Ravens, but to drag it through the mud publicly, and then the Broncos now became a headline, Vic Fangio became a headline, that doesn't bode well for a 3-1 team whose quarterback is in concussion protocol. Now that uh, the bloom is off the rose and they're facing another tough AFC opponent coming up in the Steelers, it's just a distraction and a storyline the Broncos did not need, and it smacks of a badly bruised ego, even though Vic Fangio claims he doesn't have one. He very much does. 
Who would have guessed when you heard Vic Fangio utter those words today that you would get a Shakespearean quote dropped on you on the Huddle Up podcast? <laughs> Only here, folks. There is no doubt, Zach, that the Broncos were well aware of the streak, the 100-yard the streak, because they sold out hard. I mean, obviously, from just a pure strategy standpoint, you, you want to stop their run to neutralize what they do best. But they knew the Broncos, all the NFL PR stats and information people, like just the stuff they provide us, Zach, is like all the historical little things that are going on in each game. That's just what they give media. What they also provide to the actual team, I mean, they knew about it. And so I'm sure that was a, a thing that miffed him. You're right that we had them. Why didn't you tell your guys then? Hey, look out for them, possibly trying to get their five yards. We're holding them to 95. Uh, J-Fig, thank you for the very generous. Win the, win the game. Who cares about a rushing Mark, win the freaking game. Don't no-show in an early-season playoff game. I digress. What happens, says Jonathan, if Drew Locke comes out this week and balls out? I mean, jaw-dropping performance, what do you do? Start Teddy or Drew the following week. Drew did the best he could with a terrible line and basically no chemistry with the wideouts. You know, my God. biggest criticism of Drew, I'll tell you right now, the interception. I wasn't going to really be all that critical of Drew Locke because of how poorly everyone around him played. He didn't play great either. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to absolve Drew, but I wasn't going to stand up here and crucify the cat when his wide receivers weren't trucking for him. His his O-line wasn't blocking for him. No one really was out there trying to skin that cat. But when he threw that end zone pick, fading back in the pocket and throwing off his back foot, it's just, come on, dude. I know it's garbage time. You're down by two uh, scores. You're trying to make something happen. But why do you allow yourself to feed into all the tropes that exist, all the memes on Drew Locke? So I'll tell you this. Just seeing how the team failed to respond to him, that's got to be a little bit of a concern if you're a fan. And so, look, if you want the collective playing at its best, you're hoping Teddy Bridgewater comes back sooner than later. You're hoping. Yo, yo, Scott, throw that up, dude. Wow, Kayla. She, wow. This this is this is not the first time she's thrown down a record super. A record super. Wow. Uh, Zach, if you wouldn't mind, I'm just taking a note on something here, real quick. That I'm gonna let me uh, let me catch my breath because I'm like an old uh, Looney Tune right now. Like it's it's. <laughs> you're crazy Michaela thank you so much crazy in the best way possible thank you seriously like wow we love you we appreciate you I don't know what else to say looks like she's rocking her uh her new hat too so it looks good on you thank you so much I hope you understand what that does for us that literally pays for the party ever all the support we get on super chat the stars everything else that allows us to you know dedicate the time for these shows put all the time the money we put into to gear and giveaways and things like that having a guy like scott kennedy here to help us out on a nightly basis i mean these things cost money and if we didn't have your support we wouldn't be able to do it so michaela love you so much she says fangio is a joke of a coach ask a head coach you must take ownership not worry about the other team wanting a record i understand zach if he would have been miffed by that i totally get it especially in the face of defeat like that, humiliating. I get that. But he really did embarrass himself and the team today by saying what he did. If he would have just not said the whole bit about they don't care about player safety, 
he could have survived it. And it's not to say that it's going to turn out to be a fatal mistake. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he could have survived the PR storm, crap storm, that is now completely swirling around Dove Valley. Because for you to come out, I mean, Zach, where was this comment? Where was this fire in the belly when the NFL completely bent the Broncos over a barrel last year when the New England Patriots decided to go out and be a little cavalier with their security policies on the virus and bring it into the building. And the NFL rescheduled three of Denver's games. And we all know why took away their, their uh, bye week, all that stuff. They kowtowed to the Kraft Belichick ticket pressure, whatever you want to say. Fangio did complain about whiners and BITCHers at the podium only to then um, I was told by PR that he wasn't talking about New England. He was talking about his own players, whining and, and complaining about things that are not within our control. That's up for interpretation, whatever. But where was that fire in the belly then? You, you Again, the response is not commensurate with the transgression. I mean, first of all, Michaela, what more can we say that we haven't said already? We didn't say to you in person at the meetup. You are truly one of a kind. You are incredible, and we appreciate you more than you know. Chad, about the Patriots, I was thinking about this earlier. I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me. How many times in the Brady-Belichick era were the Patriots up comfortably and they'd be having Tom Brady in the fourth quarter, dropping back to pass, going for touchdowns, not running the clock out, and that was seen as a ballsy move and an aggressive move on Bill Belichick's part. So when the Ravens do it, it's it's uh, suddenly about player safety. And listen, you have a right to be miffed. I, I want Fangio to show emotion, and I'm the last one in terms of cursing, anyone who met me, anyone who knows me, I'm not exactly prude in that department, but to get up there and drop the BS, it just makes you look unprofessional. It makes you look like... It He's so- been doing that a lot too lately, if you've noticed. He's been dropping the expletives here and there. I mean, this is from a coach who admits he doesn't watch the offense live. I mean, you're going to get on the podium and, and drop uh, uh, curse words. It just makes you come off like it affected you on a personal level when you should be professional and focused on a team level. And once again, when you have... You make that comment, and then they bring out Kareem Jackson right after him. And Jackson says, I don't care about that. I I care about winning, and we have to be better. It really is a sad state of affairs, and it's an indictment on the lack of leadership and accountability at the top in terms of the coaching staff when a player says that and not the head coach. That's that's, That's how I feel about it. Most definitely. It was disappointing. And again, even as I wrote up the news article, I found myself... Some people would probably even interpret it as me defending what Fangio said. I I definitely did not and would not defend what I saw as a, you know, below the belt punch from Vic Fangio. If I picked any nits in what the the two rejoinders from the coaches today, it was comparing the Broncos efforts under one minute to try and get in the end zone and try and score to pursuing a record literally in garbage time, three seconds to go. Those two things I don't think are on the same level, but in terms of like, in terms of severity, in terms of transgression, like if you're standing in front of a judge, you know, we're talking about jaywalking here. That's what, if anything, that's what we're talking about with, with John Harbaugh. And yet Vic Fangio dropped the hammer like this dude killed somebody, right? If he was judge, judge Vic. Well, let me, let me just say one thing before we move on to Aaron's comment here. If I mean, how many in Broncos country, raise your hand in the comments, how many 
uh, Broncos fans were endeared by Vic Fangio's phrasing and what he said. How many fans did that win over? I don't think many. I think most of the Broncos country's fans agree with what we're saying here, that it made him come off worse. If he wants to endear himself to the fan base, if he wants to make a forward-thinking move and really help the franchise out instead of complaining about a five-yard run, how about replacing Tom McMahon? I mean, first and foremost, instead of getting up there, and know what he said today? I, I don't know. It just seems like it happens every single week. Gee, Vic, I wonder why that is. You've had every other player, all this personnel change out over years. I wonder why that is, that every single week it keeps happening. He's either willfully ignorant to it, or he's purposely ignoring it, Chad. Either way, he's wrong. He's wrong. Aaron Lynch, a.k.a. Big A, little a, R-O-N. Good to see you, bro. Thank you for the support. He says, I'm still watching that Javante Williams run on repeat. That kind of heart has to be contagious. On to the next. Let's beat some Yinzers. Hashtag Bronx. Yeah, dude, that was impressive. And that was just a small taste of what I think this dude can do for you. Imagine what he could do if he was getting blocking. I mean, once again, guys, the, the Broncos blockers, the offensive line was atrocious, completely terrible, not only in opening up any holes. I mean, the the actual production that Melvin Gordon and Javante had on Sunday, and remember, Melvin was over five yards per carry. Javante was over seven. That was mostly due to their own kind of vision and effort. The, the holes weren't really there. And even Vic Fangio said, hey, why'd you go away from it? You know, the run, he was asked, why'd you go away from the run? One night he's like, well, it's just, you know, we started off with a bang, but it just got stingier and stingier as the game wore on. It doesn't mean you go away from it. They acted as if when Drew Locke entered the game, Peyton Manning uh, circa 2006 was suddenly on the field and you could throw it 40 times in the second half. You got to present that, that plausible threat that you're going to run. And by going five times, that's what you said, Zach. Five rushes in the second half? This was not a 30-point differential here. You know, it was 10 and then 13 and then finally 16 toward the end. But just, again, it just smacks of coaches that, unfortunately, are proving the veracity of the Peter principle, which is you are promoted to the level of your own incompetence, and eventually that, that incompetence comes home to roost. You, you mentioned how good it would be if Javante can get blocking. How good would it be if they had a coordinator that was committed to getting him the ball? Five rushes in the second half with the game still fairly in reach and with an erratic quarterback that you want to hide and mask as much as possible. You don't hand the ball off, and your excuse is it got stingier as the game wore on? That's football, Vic. You're a defensive mind. You should know that more than anyone. It doesn't mean you go away from it. It doesn't mean that when you get punched one time, you run away. You stay in the fight, and you fight until you can't fight anymore. Let me just say one thing, because this comment's blocking me. I'm going to do it up here. This is what the Broncos need. This is what the Broncos need right here. I'm not going to say the word, but you know what I'm doing. This is what the Broncos don't have from Fangio on down. These. Alexander, appreciate the stars, my brother. He says, can anyone identify an underlying philosophy or really any area of schematic proficiency in Pat Shermer's tenure as OC in Denver? Hey, you got a flair for the vernacular there, Alexander. I myself cannot. As for Vic Fangio, he may be a huge defensive genius, but he has now shown a penchant for pettiness and unnecessary drama. I flew into town to see this game as a birthday present to myself. 
I can accept a loss as a fan, but there is no reason to stand up for a small man. Dude, you should have come uh, last week, dude. You should have come last week. But but what's your reaction to Alexander here? I, I, Vic Fangio, if that's, if that's what he's saying, he did come off very small. He comes off very petty. He comes off like he took it as an ego shot when he put himself before the team. He put his defensive prowess and him being the one to end the Raven streak above the overall performance of the Broncos, which was so lackluster and so unlike the first three weeks. And it showed that maybe Vic can't hang with the big boys. Vic can beat up on the little kids on the playground, like the Urban Myers and the Joe Judges and, and, uh, and the Robert Salaz, a first-time head coach and a first-time quarterback, and Zach Wilson, a rookie quarterback. But when you face a, a Ravens team that has a Super Bowl-winning head coach and a former MVP quarterback, and you come off that small and your team no-shows, yeah, not a good look at all. The Queen jumping in with a, another very um, very perceptive comment here. Thank you, Christy. And we need to we need to get your size and stuff on the jersey. Don't forget. She says, outcoached, outplayed, unprepared. It's crazy, Zach, because Vic Fangio stood up at the podium post-game not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. And was was you know basically complimented on how they the Broncos stopped the run, and against a prolific rusher rushing team like the Ravens, they did do a good job for the balance of the game uh, to kind of limit that, especially from Lamar. But then, as he pointed out, hey, you know, it kind of backfired basically because we sold out so hard to stop the run, and this is like Lamar Jackson living in the heads of those DBs rent free and the freaking linebackers, man. Justin Sternod getting sucked up by all those RPO play fakes, man. Like it was painful to watch at times, but it backfired. It was all for not however you want to look at it because they allowed him Lamar Jackson to achieve only his second 300 yard game ever. Isn't that kind of crazy to think that as a reigning MVP and one of the star quarterbacks in the league, he only had one 300 yard passing game going into this particular game. I mean, Drew Locke, he got that as a rookie right? Just in the Houston game, the Broncos allowed because they were so committed Zach to stop in the run and they did a mostly good job 
at doing that, that it left them vulnerable in other areas. They weren't able to walk that razor's edge. And that's obviously easier said than done, but that's what an elite defense can do. And the Broncos showed you on Sunday, they're not quite there yet. Doesn't mean they can't be that or become that, but they're not there yet. It just shows again that it was all about his own pride, Vic Fangio. If, if you're focused on the fact, and he brought it up, well, I'm glad he's acknowledging it. That's the first step toward fixing the problem if it ever gets fixed. But when you are focused on a five-yard run, when your secondary and your highly paid safety was turned around and burned the entire game, when your first-round rookie was made to look like a mush, like a fifth-round pick, I, I, you have bigger problems. I, I just I, I don't like his tone. I don't like how he came across. And uh, I'm sure we'll add more to that as the show goes on. Uh, Raz Beans, 51. Welcome. Thank you for that super chat. I don't recognize your, your name in the chat, but welcome and make sure you connect with us on Twitter. Appreciate the support. Question one, does this team have a Manning-type leader to get its buttons in gear for the rest of the season? Two, if Fangio doesn't fire McMahon, should Peyton step in? Zach, let's start with two, and then we'll reverse engineer it. McMahon's not getting fired, at least not anytime in the near-near. Do you think that being the case, Peyton should? Because he's not going to step in, but no. should he? I, I don't think he can. I, I think, listen, the thing about Peyton, he's demonstrated he can think four and five moves down the line. He's not really thinking solely for 2021. So he might see where the wind is blowing here, and he knows that if one coach goes down, it means the whole ship is going down. So if, if McMahon gets fired and Shermer, or Shermer gets fired, it means more than likely Fangio is going but the autonomy lies with Fangio. He has the power to assemble, to hire, to fire his coaching staff. It's the same reason he got rid of Rich Scangarello after a 4-1 record with Drew Locke to hire Pat Shermer in the first place. So I don't think he should step in. I don't think he will step in. I think Peyton is on the ultimate honeymoon. Whatever happens, it's, it's a win-win for him. If they win this year, great. If not, he'll fire everyone, he'll clean house, and get his own people in. I remember when Brett Rippon was given the chance to start in week four last year. And Drew was still hurt. The Broncos had realized, just like Job on Arrested Development, they'd made a huge mistake thrown in with Jeff Driscoll as their fail-safe. So they started Brett Rippon. And when Brett Rippon won that game, coming out of it, he was asked, hey, you know, do you, does this make you feel like that you should be the man now? And he said, I'll use his words to paraphrase, no, this is Drew Locke's team. All right, and then Drew came back for the next game, Patriots, yada, yada, yada. All right, that being said, it was Drew Locke's team last year, but this is now to the first point here Ros Beans is bringing up Teddy Bridgewater's team. Is there a Manning-type leader? Yeah, that's Teddy Bridgewater, and let me, let me show you what I mean by that, Zach. This is how pervasive, in a good way, Teddy's leadership has already been for this team. This is Drew at the podium last night on what he's learned from Teddy in practice. Quote, his biggest thing with me. Now, I want you guys to pay attention here to what he's saying in terms of the paradigm shift, the posture of you're the boss. Like in this many short weeks since Teddy was named the starter, Drew is like eating out of his hand. All right, here we go. Quote, his biggest thing with me has been working on footwork stuff. He'll stay after practice. He'll put me in rip through footwork drills. And I really appreciate him doing that. It means a lot. It's not like we're out there for five or 10 minutes. We're out there for 20, 30 minutes at a time. Then we go in there on Tuesdays. We're all sitting together, and me and Brett, we're all open ears. What does Teddy think about this defense? What is he seeing? How does he see it? He's been really important to me the last couple of weeks, and I appreciate everything he's done for me 
because I know being the starting quarterback of this team is a heavy job and you have a lot to focus on, but he takes a little time each week to try to help me out, help rip out. I think we both appreciate that close quote that takes honestly as eye-opening as that might be, Zach, that takes a lot for a quarterback to even admit that. But you can see Drew Locke is eating out of Teddy's hand. Their whole team is. Like, if you want this team, barring some kind of miraculous Drew Locke, you know, fairy tale story, which is very unlikely to happen. It's about as unlikely now at this point as, you know, them getting their 16 points with one minute to go, you know, driving onto Baltimore territory. It's just very unlikely. It doesn't mean it can't or it's impossible, but – you can't hang your hat on it, Zach. Well, uh, excuse me. First, you have to ask yourself, though, how did Manning really lead? Was it with his personality or was it because he's one of, if not the greatest quarterback of all time? He led with his production. So obviously you can rule it out right there. The Broncos don't have a Manning on this roster. He wasn't exactly the friendliest guy to some players. Ask Mike Vanderjack what he thinks about him. Would you call him the idiot kicker or whatever with the Colts? Yeah, but he did, he did. He was he came off half cocked, publicly drunk, saying some dumb stuff. But I get your point. But I mean, Manning was Peyton Manning. There's only one Peyton Manning, yeah. and, and Teddy Bridgewater, as good as a leader he's been, I think that's relative to how bad the Broncos' quarterbacks have been since Peyton Manning. And can you really be a Manning type leader when you're a career journeyman? I, I, you have to ask yourself that. Everyone knows Teddy Bridgewater's background. Everyone knows more than likely he's a hold the fort guy for this season before George Payton gets another quarterback. And and what a lot of people are forgetting before he got concussed yesterday, he wasn't playing particularly well, Teddy Bridgewater. He was showing up like the old Teddy, not like the new Teddy. So I don't think there's a Manning leader on this team, or even a Derek Wolf type leader for that matter. A mouthpiece, a guy who's going to hold his fellow players accountable and maybe even send a message to the coaching staff that this crap can't go on any longer. They are a rudderless franchise right now, a franchise with a, a head coach that has no accountability. They don't have an owner right now. I, I mean, it, it's, it's completely wayward as far as I'm concerned. Christian, what's up, dude? Thank you for the super. Appreciate your patience. He says, Noah Fant said today that when Drew came in, nothing in the offense changed. That just shows how Shermer is incompetent of playing off a script and setting players up for their strengths. Hashtag fire Shermer. And then, Zach, we also have one here from Diamond Rattler with the super chat saying, boom, let's go. Diamond, I was looking for you at the meet and greet. I was rocking your medallion. I hope you saw that in the pregame and the gut reaction, but Maybe next time, my friend. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how many times we got to say it. Pat Shermer's game plan, whether it was Teddy in there, whether it was Drew, it was tone deaf. To, to say the least. And you know one thing about Christie's comment? She said, outcoached, outplayed or whatever, outclassed as well, I want to add. But also, she's right. But how many times have we come on this podcast, Chad, since 2019 and have said that about a Broncos game? That Vic Fangio or Pat Shermer or Tom McMahon or whatever have been totally, totally outplayed, outcoached, outclassed. It's a continuing problem that's not getting any better. We got one here from Andrew Lampy with some stars on Facebook. And as we grab his comment, uh, let me quickly also just do a – we're at 43 minutes, but here's where we're at on today's stars, working towards the Pat Sertan goal. Randy Jones at the top. And, Randy, we got a little something-something coming for you, my friend. Claude Riley <coughs> – pardon me – Alexander Emmert, Lawrence Rivera, Travis Weber, uh, Andrew Lampy, Gary Leeds-Palmer, Mark Johnson. So, Mark, you saw you won. 
You, you won, dude, you won the freaking jersey. And so did you, Michael Ronke. Appreciate you guys. Uh, but here is what Andrew says. And why the F can't this coaching staff adjust the game plan? It was working early. And then the Ravens adjusted, started kicking their butts, and Denver made little to no adjustments that I could see. Yeah, sometimes as a football priest, what we have to do is is sit here and be the, you know, we got to allow you to exercise the demons and get things off your chest, right? And get things, unburden your soul, so to speak, your football soul. It really did feel that way. Now, I think that, again, things were going okay. It was a pretty solid kind of back and forth bout until that play where Garoppolo's got put on skates, Teddy got sacked, and a couple plays later, Lamar... And that's what you do in the league, by the way. This is just like, you know, you can set your watch to it. When there's a sudden change on the field, the the coordinator, the offensive coordinator that just got the ball, they're looking for a play that's going to catch them off guard, that's going to catch them sleeping a little bit. And that's what that play was, man. They were – and you. so as a defense, you got to be expecting something like that to be coming. And the Broncos, unfortunately, did not appear to be – ready for anything like that when Hollywood Brown plays right between splitting Kareem and, yeah. and Simmons. And here's Seth Harmon, then I'll serve this over to you, Zach. Thank you, Seth. He says, I am not as fired up as uh, fan fanfic, Vic, Vic, but the final play was dumb. If a Bronco would have got hurt, that would have sucked. Yeah, that that's another thing, Zach. It'd be another thing altogether if someone had gotten hurt on that play, which to my knowledge, nobody did. If my aunt had balls, you know, as that expression goes, I mean, it's just, I don't care about what ifs. I don't care about those hypotheticals. No one got hurt. It was a meaningless play. The Ravens wanted it and the Broncos couldn't stop it. That's what it is. In terms of not adjusting, that's exactly what happens when in this day and age in the NFL, the Broncos hired a 60-year-old defensive mind and they paired him with a 58-year-old, twice-fired former head coach who's been bouncing around the NFL. They went completely the opposite direction that the wind is blowing in the NFL, and you're seeing why now. And also, what I've learned about Pat Shermer and the Broncos and Fangio, they are such a script-dependent kind of team. When one little thing, when they hit one pothole, that's it. They go into hysterics, and by hysterics, I mean they don't know how to react. They cannot handle adversity. They cannot overcome a a sack. They cannot overcome a long Hollywood Brown touchdown because everything has to be working perfectly or else, as you see, the coaches are forced to fend for themselves, and when you have a head coach that doesn't watch the offense, admittedly, and when you have an offensive coordinator who's calling plays from 1995, that's a bad situation. They can rely on their talent for only so long. You can beat up on the Jets and the Giants and the Jaguars with that talent, but when it's mano a mano, when it's Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer versus John Harbaugh and Greg Roman, I'm taking the latter 10 times out of 10. Here's one from uh, Cody W. Good to see you, Cody. Thank you. The defense had some good stops. The offense did nothing. Offense definitely did nothing. I mean, after that one drive where they got some points, I mean, it was crickets. And the defense, they had a few small wins. Um, but in the final analysis, when you look at this thing from the macro level, again, it's not easy defending a quarterback like Lamar Jackson that's just as liable to burn you with his, his legs as he is his arm. You, In order to effectively contain him, you have to be able to, through discipline, long film study, and preparation, walk that razor's edge. And they just couldn't do it. You could tell the edge rushers in particular, man, were very timid in their rushes and on purpose. Like Fangio probably told Vaughn and told Malik Reed, hey, you know, if you if you see it and you can beat your man, take it. 
But like, we got to contain this guy. We got to contain the edge. Let's hope we can win with our interior pressure. And Draymond Jones, he was getting there initially. Then they started double teaming him and all she wrote. That was all she wrote for interior pressure. And then it was, you know, carte blanche for a while there for Lamar Jackson. Because the Ravens adjusted because they have competent coaching and the Broncos never counter adjusted. That's exactly the problem. And where were the playmakers from week three? Where was Alexander Johnson making plays? He was absent. Where was Shelby Harris, who's been such a disappointment this season? He was absent again. Uh, Vaughn was still Vaughn. Uh, they had some nice, Caden Cerns had a great game. He was pretty much the one bright spot on defense. But you know what's what- crazy, dude? He only had seven snaps. And, and two sacks. I mean, it's and a great, pass breakup. great game for him. But other than that, though, why was the most dangerous opposing receiver matched in zone coverage against two safeties that he split right down the middle? And why was that continuing to go on? I looked up later in the game, and it was Kareem Jackson one-on-one in zone coverage again. That's a coaching deficiency, and for whatever reason you want to come up with, it's still a problem the Broncos have. That's why, because you don't have stalwart vision and leadership at the coaching level. This is not a team set up to win probably with Drew Luck. I I still think they have the talent to, but it makes me question whether if they really had to turn to Drew for a a significant stretch, you can win with this team. That's why, again, if you want to make anything of this 3-0 start, even the Druthers out there that are just hoping this is the shot for Drew to come back and get his foot back in the door as the starter, you kind of got to be hoping Teddy gets back sooner than later because – He's your only shot to kind of glue everybody back together. Real quick, Zach. Dennis says, sorry, I don't blame Harbaugh. They had a chance to tie an all-time record and set a new all-time record next week. I would have done it too. Hard to fault them for that. I mean, it's not like they committed some, you know, class one felony. Here's the thing, though. You know, you mentioned that they're not set up for Drew Locke. I kind of disagree in the sense that if they had elite coaching – they could win with Drew Locke, considering the talent they have well, on offense. That's what I mean, is because they don't have that. Can you win with Drew, this this collection of guys? That's my doubt. You, you can't win with anyone. I don't think you can win with Teddy Bridgewater sustainably for the long term. You can get by again with the, with the cupcake teams, but what, when I watched the Carolina Panthers, and they picked up Sam Darnold, and we were all clowning on them for doing so— well, they're 3-1 three, three and one right now. Darnold leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns for quarterbacks— you know why that is? And he's looking like a, a quarterback reborn because he went from Adam Gase to Joe Brady. That would be like going from Pat Shermer to Kyle Shanahan. Coaching makes all the difference. Big A, little A, R-O-N with another one. Thank you, bro. He says, we got spanked. Facts is facts. I'll hold my emotions the best I can till next week, though. It's all about how you respond. Exactly. We're still three and one. And that's another thing to take from this, guys, is, you know, it's unfortunate that Fangio created this crap storm in PR today, but that three and oh start provided you a little bit of a cushion to kind of figure some things out. And, you know, week four was a little bit of a gut check moment for this team. Is it a pivotal turning point game? Only time will tell. But let me tell you what happens with good teams. When a good team gets beat, whether it's kind of trounced by two scores like the Ravens did, or if it's a narrow loss, whatever, when a good team comes up short and loses, and maybe they'd been on a good streak. I mean, think back, for example, to the 98 Broncos. What they win, 13 in a row, then they go out and they get beat. They learned from that. They took those lessons that that particular collective failure had to teach them, took them to heart, absorbed them, and it made them a better team. In the long run, they were able to just roll through the AFC and win a back-to-back world championship. 
So if the Broncos do have any sand, this can be a teachable moment for them. Time will tell. You know how many, I hate to keep referencing the Patriots, the old evil empire, but how many times would they lose a game in the Brady Belichick era? And we all say to ourselves, God, I feel bad for the next week's opponent that they have to play, you know, because that team was going to get killed because they, everyone knew Belichick and Brady would take a loss and spin it into motivation to be better going forward. So I think this was, it's still week five. And there's 18 weeks now, a long season left to go. But this is a pivot point in the season. I made the same comment yesterday. How they come out against the Steelers, not even the final result so much, the first series of the game, how they respond to this past loss, to the the disrespect of John Harbaugh running a five-yard running play, I think will tell us all we need to know about the Broncos going forward. Naj, what's good, buddy? It's great to see you. Appreciate the very generous support, my friend. He said, hey, bros, more I think about the game, the more disgusted I am. Fangio needs to worry less about the last play yep. and more about the game plan. Their excuses for getting away from the running game were weak and lack of intensity was terrible. Yeah, that that's another thing is like, you know, good teams in those critical games, they get their dander up and intensity meets intensity. And it's like a playoff game when two good teams are really going at it, even in the regular season. Broncos were so flat. They were so flat. Travis Weber as well, real quick, Zach. Appreciate you being patient, Travis. He says, my thoughts, I get it. It's Teddy's team, but I was disappointed the reaction fans gave Locke and how the team did not respond to him when he's trying to get players going. It wasn't his fault Teddy got hurt. You still have a game to play and try to win. If this is how things are going to be, it will be a long season. I'll support the team from the players to coaching, but blame goes all around. I agree. This is something, Travis, we talked about last night, that as soon as Teddy went out, all the eyes on that offense, they're looking at their toes the rest of the game. You know, Drew was trying uh, to be – he was trying, dude. Like, he was taking taking shots, trying to create opportunities. He wasn't as on point, wasn't as sharp. But, dude, the guy's been running scout team for a month and a half, right? Right. A month and a quarter. And Garrett Bowles' untimely penalty, we can pick nits on whether that was really a hold or not, but – that was the one chance I think for, for things to kind of turn and drew to get some momentum going when he converted that 22 yard, whatever it was completion to Timmy P move the chains, get into Ravens territory. Now you're in business. All of a sudden it was like specters of the past coming back to haunt this team where you'd seen it a dime a dozen in 2019, 2020, the Broncos let drew down. Now that's not an excuse for drew. Drew did not play as well as he could have played Zach, but the Broncos, his supporting cast did let him down and hopefully, you know, uh, the coaches helped the players recognize that on the field during the, the film study. Uh, you mentioned, you know, uh, the, the Broncos getting their dander ruffled. I think that's the expression that you used. Who is going to be the one, though, that's going to get them fired up? You mentioned they had no intensity, and that's obvious for three years now. It's because the head coach has no intensity. He stands there with his hands on his hips, completely stoic for 60 minutes every game. They would normally get that from their quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater is a very measured, passive guy. Not an insult, it's just his personality type. They, they, the Broncos actually did have that player that would show some passion, but he was shouted down for dancing on the sideline in the midst of a win. So when they don't have the, the leadership in that aspect from the coaching staff and there's no one on the roster that can really inspire the players and get their heads out of the sand, what, do, what are you supposed to do? This is why in retrospect, and Brian, thank you for the super chat, bro. We're going to grab you right right now. This is why in retrospect, when you make a regime change at the highest executive, I mean, I know John's 
still the top football executive technically, but when you make a regime change at general manager, it's ill-advised to roll with a traditionally losing head coach to stick with that head coach. Like you want to start over, you know, you want to give up the ghost, exercise the demon, move on to the next thing. Hopefully this was just a bump in the road. All right. Hopefully all these storylines and things that have bothered us in our subconscious through the three and O start that are now very front of brain. Hopefully these things are put to bed and the Broncos go into Pittsburgh and handle them. But time will tell BG says, could you guys explain to me why this, these idiots in the chat this evening are talking smack on Teddy and drew over this loss. And don't mention that they were two of a very few that seem to try to win this game, especially after the half. Cause I don't get, it. yeah. I mean, look, Drew had a hard time rallying the troops, but it's not because he didn't try. He was trying. You could see him out there. Like, Zach, for what it's worth, I saw more like primal gesticulating and this and that from Drew on the field, like energy in that one half than I saw from him in all of his 18 starts leading up to last week. I mean, he was – you could tell that's something that's kind of – you know, rubbed off on him from being around Teddy is Teddy's not so much a huge rah-rah guy. But when he makes his when he's displeased, he makes it known with a guy. Now he probably does it in a tactful way, but I saw that watching him. Like when I was in, in uh, the Jets game, I spent a lot of time just watching the quarterbacks in between series, and I'd watch Teddy when he'd come off the field. And if it was something that you know it was a punt or something, they didn't get points on the drive, dude. He was not just a guy that took off his helmet, went and sat down. Like you could tell, like he was he was miffed. If there was someone to be talked to, he went and talked to him. Then he sat down, started looking at his cut-ups, and Drew was there through the whole thing. But you know what, BG, let me tell you something. Right now, fans, you know, it was so ugly, and then you got the PR disaster. Fans just want to be disappointed right now. Just let people be disappointed. You know, the thing about Locke, it's like a dog that's been caged the whole day, and they finally opened the cage and let him run around. That's that's the impression I got from Locke yesterday. He was so happy to be playing, and he even said in his post-game remarks, he said it's nice to be out there getting in the swing of things again with the guys, running the first team and getting the starting opportunities and getting those reps. And I don't blame him for feeling that way. Um, but he's always going to get blamed regardless. He is the resident lightning rod until he leaves the organization. He could have came out and thrown for three touchdowns yesterday. Fans would have still picked him apart. The thing about Teddy getting the hate, well, he wasn't playing overly well when he was healthy before his brain injury yesterday. And that's the way that, you know, the, the playing quarterback goes in the NFL. You're the leader of the team. You bear the, the most of the responsibility, but it's bad enough that the quarterback went out, the backup quarterback was erratic, and then the, and the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the special teams boss are all letting the team down as well. There is no one area that was positive yesterday, not one singular area. Lawrence says, I saw the writing on the wall coming last week when Pat started going back to old Pat after he got confident with the three wins and Vic let him take the reins. We need a quarterback that could come out and make the adjustments that our coaches can't. Well, and honestly, you know, Teddy's your best hope for that. Um, but the thing you got to understand, too, about Drew uh, and not looking perfectly on point, guys, is, yes, does he know the offense? Yes. But things have changed since he was the starter, even as just since the the uh, preseason. Here's an example. I'm going to read you this quote real quick on the biggest challenge of being a backup. Quote, a lack of reps is definitely number one. But I say when it comes to some of the minor details throughout the week, I didn't run into any of those problems when I went out there this week, probably because I recognize this is the biggest thing, but some of the motions, some of the snap points, 
that we want to have where my call is similar to how we used to call it last year, but the snap points now are different. If you don't snap it correctly or at the right time, the play's busted. How are we going to pick up some of these pressures when you're not taking those live reps and seeing all those looks and cuts coming off a clicker or watching Teddy do it? So like I said, live reps is number one, but I think focusing on the minor details as a backup, just if you do end up getting in there and making the production clean, so to say. So it's helping you understand that as a backup, they really, the, the number two quarterback, once it gets to regular season mode, guys, they are rep starved. Okay. And not only rep starved, but talk about not just few reps with the ones, no reps with the ones. Shane, love you, buddy. Good to see you. Facebook stars weren't working, but uh, dude, so you head on over to YouTube, you're a prince. But I am in agreement. This team needs leadership in the coaching department. Fangio, a great defensive mind, but some coaches belong as coordinators, not head coaches, Zach. It's true. I mean, Wade Phillips is a perfect example of that. He's revered in Broncos country. His stint as a uh, head coach didn't go so well. I mean, look at someone like Dan Quinn. was a disaster for the most part in Atlanta. He has the Cowboys defense, which has been historically bad humming right now. Uh, Brian, you know, the Schottenheimer, Marty Schottenheimer, you know, not really an overly great head coach, better coordinator. There's millions of examples uh, about that um, dynamic. And Vic Fangio, he was hailed as this genius, but if he was such a genius, would Chicago let him get away? I've wondered that. He's not exactly the Bill Walsh of defensive play callers. He's not exactly, you know, the spearhead of the 2000 Ravens defense. That's as far as I'm concerned. He's a really, really, really good defensive mind. I wouldn't say he's a mastermind or a genius, but I think he deserves to be a coordinator, and that's how that's. Why he was a career assistant for 40 years, Chad. It's why he never got the big seat. Not because he didn't want it, because he wasn't qualified for it. And he's demonstrating that almost every single week. Dale, good to see you, brother. Hope you've been hanging in there. Hope you've been well. Appreciate the support. He says, I'm not worried about the interception at all, Chad. Drew's other option was to take the sack. He tried to make the play, knowing that in the end, the results of that throw didn't affect the outcome of the game. I get that. It's It's... How can I articulate it? It's that his biggest and one mistake, really, that you could point to with confidence in that game just happened to play to all of the tropes, you know, the lack of technique, the lack of uh, tact, the lack of feel, throwing off the back foot, all that stuff. It just, it was unfortunate. That's really, I guess, all my point was on that. He was also facing pressure off the edge like every Broncos quarterback was the entire game. So a lot of factors go into it, but what still people do is read the box score and see the interception, and they base their narrative on that, not the other context. Okay, we've got to grab a few more here, rapid-fire style, and then we got to get out of here. Um, starting with BG again. Thank you, bro. He says, there's so much I'd love to say about this game, but I can't. I love Sutton, but his lack of effort was sad, and I hope he gets reamed for it. Yeah, that was disappointing to me. I really was like, I expected more. My estimation of Cortland Sutton was greater than what the perception, my perception of him was watching through a television, man. Like I get it. Your, your chemistry with drew, even though you have history together, you didn't play a lot together last year. Right. So you got to keep that in mind. They hadn't really played together since the final four or five games, whatever it was of drew's rookie year. And it's so you kind of expect Zach there to be some miscues and some wires getting crossed a little bit, but like to, to completely, it just seemed like he wasn't responding to Drew's strategy to communicate for whatever that means. 
I'll say it again. When Locke came in the game, everyone said, oh, crap, here we go again, guys. I mean, there was a shot of Pat Shermer in the booth in the third quarter, and he looked visibly disgusted that Drew Locke was under center and not his prize, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know what (laughs) Drew Locke did. I don't know whose family member he slept with. I don't know what crime he committed, Drew Locke, but he is not liked within the organization, either by the coaches or by the players. And Cortland, that was disappointing. I didn't think he had that in him. I know receivers are divas, but like you mentioned, it took me by surprise. I thought he was a very team-first guy, very positive guy, and people are forgetting in 2019 the chemistry that Locke and Sutton had. I mean, Locke would throw it up, and Cortland Sutton would grab it for a touchdown effortlessly. It was one of the the most uh, uh, surprising storylines of an overall disappointing season. So for him to get mad because he, he didn't connect with him or he threw a wrong pass the wrong way, that's what happens when you run scout team, like you said, for a month and a half or so, and you come off cold off the bench. I, I, overall, it's not, you know, looking back on it though, Chad, when you have a head coach that's that petty publicly, is it that surprising that one of his players would take that on as well? I know. Uh, Chris, do you th- thank you. Appreciate you. Uh, stick around, connect with us on Twitter. He says, do you think they're going to use David Moore this week at Pittsburgh? We'll see, man. I don't know. Um, they did use him on Sunday. He did get uh, 31% of snaps on offense. Let me see. That was exactly David Moore. That was 19 snaps, which accounted for 31% of the offensive snaps. So time will tell, my friend. Uh, Aaron Lynch again, hot take. Chargers and Raiders both <laughs> both lose tonight. Broncos yeah. country rejoices. Official Raider hater. Yeah, I mean, who are you rooting for in this one? Got to be the, got to be the Chargers, I would guess, right? I'm I mean, rooting for the Meteor. There you go, dinosaurs. <laughs> here we come. We're gonna join you. Um, What's PG? the score of that game, though? Let us know. I, I have a fantasy interest. Looks in like it's game. seven nothing Chargers. Top of the second quarter. Hmm. Uh, BG also threw in. How about the same defense you played the first three weeks, or at least start out that way, or change up after the half? Just kind of speaking to the lack of apparent adjustments. We feel you. Uh, Jesse, appreciate that super bro. It's we're running out of time, so I can't flash it. But he says this staff has to go. I'm off the train. Do you think that's knee jerking a little too soon here, Zach? There, this is this is not the first time. This is not the second time. The third time. The fourth time. This is probably the tenth time, if not more. We've been saying the same exact things about the Broncos, the Broncos offense, Vic Fangio. I don't think they're going to get better. I don't think in his third year. Fangio, if he's still making first-year mistakes, he's going to suddenly, the light bulb is going to go off and he's going to suddenly become a full head coach. So I I think you're seeing the breadcrumbs being laid. You have a a general manager with no loyalty to the coaching staff who probably wants to hire his own guys from Minnesota or elsewhere. And I think you can see around the NFL, you need a young mind or an offensive mind, one or the other. The Broncos have neither at head coach. Hey, uh, as we grab uh, Plum Bob here, Let's throw up uh, Shane's last one after after uh, Plum Bob, who says, in fact, I'm just going to grab Shane real quick. Thank you, bro. Oh, oh, no, that's not the right one. Let me grab Plum Bob first. He says, just got back home from the game. Had a great time in Denver. Just sucks the Broncos couldn't pull the win off. Plum Bob, that's really cool for you, bro, that you got to go. Sorry that it, it didn't uh, translate to a victory for you, but uh, better luck next time, my wow. dog. Appreciate Shane. your support. Shane Daniels jumping in off the top rope on Thank Super you. Chat. Man, that just – Thank you. That just – Seriously, man, we love it. We appreciate it. He says, payback for the beer and hot dogs at the Jets game. Hash, uh, great, great podcast. Yeah, we there were there was some uh, finger foods, and you know we had people with us that 
or around us, I should say, Zach, that had maybe a few adult beverages, you know, for the taking. And so there were some partaking from people that swung through. But it was cool because Shane was one of the superstars, Zach, that swung by and hung out with us. Like he was there most of the day, which was cool. That's what it was about. It wasn't just a, hi, it's nice to meet you. You want some swag? You want us to sign something? Catch you later. I mean, we did that plenty and we're happy to do it, but we wanted people to hang with us like Shane. Uh, like Ron Dub, like Kayaka. I mean, I could list like even Naj toward the end coming in. I mean, Michaela hung out for a while. Christy hung out. So many people, I can't even name them all. So it was really cool hanging with you, Shane. Yeah, Shane, I'm really happy I got to know you a little bit. It was really fun uh, hanging out with you at the game. And, you know, what more can we say? I said it to you in person. I thanked you for your um, support and contributions. And I want to say right now, that's so generous and it's so amazing of you. Thank you, Shane. Seriously. But guys, um, one last thing here, uh, Brian Greenfield, by the way, he says, just threw this in, you know what slows down a mean pass rush? Running the ball. Over six yards per carry and maybe screens or quick slants. Screens. Yeah, yeah. we feel you, dude. Screens. We, we, we do feel you. And then he also said, uh, without Williams, uh, his beast run, we would have been shut the, you know what, out. Uh, yeah, dude, I feel you. I mean, they had some things cooking, and then the Ravens kind of stiffened up. That doesn't mean you completely abandon it, though. And coaches that do that, whoops, uh, coaches that do that end up oftentimes, Zach, ruining their decision. But with that, we got to get going. If you want to run us out of here, I'll, I'll pull up how we finished today on Facebook. I just think it's really sad that we're still pining for a screen pass in the year 2021, the Lord's year 2021. But that was the Huddle Up podcast, guys. Be sure in the meantime, until we see you guys next time, to follow the Huddle Up pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter at Chad N. Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't, go to huddleuppod.com and get your swag, get yourself a dad hat, get yourself a football preset, get yourself an MHH shirt like Chad's wearing. Also, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Hit that big blue button, become a supporter today, and get exclusive access to our VIP programming, including Kelberman's Corner, Broncos Book Club, and Trickle Zone. New episodes every weekend. Also, Facebook.com slash Pod. Like that page. And if you haven't already, go to uh, Apple Podcasts and leave your fo- football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some swag each and every month. But if you can't do any of those things, do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share. This video and every video you see on the MHH channel helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you appreciate you guys here's how we finished on facebook we do have a little bit of ground to make up if we're going to hit goal this this month and give away that pat sertan but randy jones let me just tell you real quick personal shout out to randy jones appreciate you and your dedicated support my friend when you get your hat make sure you send us email it or dm it on facebook whatever uh selfie so that we can flex you on on instagram and uh, as as a runner up on Facebook, we'll we'll get you something sent out that's a little bit special. But thank you, Randy Lawrence. You as well, bro. Claude Alexander, Mark Johnson, uh, winner of of one of the jerseys, Travis Weber. I know your day's coming, Travis. For what it's worth, my friend, I know your day is coming. Andrew Lampy, uh, Gary Leeds Palmer, legendary. Michael Ronquillo, your jersey's on the way, brother. Thanks to each and every one of you. And with that, guys. Michaela, also Shane, Brian, all of our great Super Chat supporters. We'll, uh, I'll let Zach sign us off, and we will see you here Wednesday, 6 p.m. Mountain. Don't forget tomorrow, Broncos for breakfast on the bright, 7.30 a.m. Mountain time, and then you get, you get uh, building the Broncos tomorrow night. Take care, guys, and as always, go Broncos. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 